Welcome to Breakthrough Brands. You are listening to The Conscious Business Show, bringing purpose, profit, and prosperity into your life and business with your host, Joe Dalton. Welcome, folks, to The Conscious Business Show. Yes, you know each week we speak to people that I believe are conscious people that, you know, are doing and making a difference in the world. And this week, I have Brian Kennedy. Brian is a wellness and motivational speaker. He works in the Financial Institute. He's a marathon runner. He's spoke at one of my events, which was Change Your Mind, Change Your Life. If you're looking for someone positive, someone that makes you really think, I believe Brian is one of those people. Brian, how are you? Hey, Joe. How you doing? Thanks a million for the invite. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Oh, delighted to have you on. Delighted. I know we've spoken many times before, but I just wanted to bring you into the radio here at Dublin South FM and I wanted to, you know, bring it on the show here because things are changing. Things are changing indeed. How are you and how are you seeing the world evolve? Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing good, Joe, I have to say. And I think what's happened to me in the past has given me, you know, a good foundation for the way I can react to what's happening today with the lockdown and everything that we have to do, the changes in our lives, okay? Um, okay, well, tell us about your past and what has what has happened for that to happen. Okay, so obviously for me, I have worked in a number of industries throughout my career. My wife was very used to me working long hours in, um, in banking. I suffered, five, I should say, seven armed robberies in a banking career early on in my career. Not nice to have a knife to your clothes and a gun to your head and be forced to open a safe and then serve customers about an hour or 20 minutes after that's happened. But you become a bit resilient after that. And when you're trying to build a career, you just keep going at 100 miles an hour. I moved from banking to work for the U.S. Hertz Corporation and was one of the senior managers to set up a European service center in Ireland here for them. Again, long hours. And then I got headhunted twice to come back into work in banking for Bank of Scotland, Ireland, and then for RBS. Okay. And I guess my life changed in 2010 when working 84 hours a week. I suffered mental exhaustion. Yeah. And I ended up, I found myself sitting at home on a Monday morning when my wife was gone to work and my kids were gone to school and the house was empty and I had Jeremy Kyle on the telly and I sat on the couch with my head in my hands and cried like a baby at 50 years of age. And I just didn't know what was going on in my head. I didn't know how I had been so successful in my career to date. How did it come to the fact that I was sitting here on the couch on my own crying? So I realized straight away I had to kind of do something to change my life, to change the way in which I worked. And I went and I got some counseling and I went back to work and I worried about what people would think when I went back to work. Did they think I had a nervous breakdown or whatever it might be? And the first item that I had to get straight in my head was I didn't care what people thought. Okay. That wasn't my problem. I had to get my head straight. And that included looking back on my past. And I realized, you know, I had, um, I grew up in a very loving family. My mother was fantastic. She treated me fantastic, gave me all the skills to be able to treat women right, to respect women, uh, to respect the people around me, my elders, etc. My mother was fantastic. But unfortunately, my dad was an alcoholic. And I, I failed my maths exam and my leaving search because my dad was sitting on my bed at four o'clock in the morning telling me how useless I was. 
Okay, so life could be tough in that way for a bloke growing up, and I guess those experiences gave me some something inside me, whether it was to prove my dad wrong or whatever. But it made me very successful in football. That got me a football trial in the UK and the offer of a contract. But fortunately, I didn't take that up because true love brought me back to Ireland. I met my wife when she was 16 and I was 18. We're 42 years together this year, 35 years married, and I have to say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with Martina and my two kids. And that was the first thing that I had to sit down when I decided to reevaluate my life. I had to find what was I grateful for first before I could move on and think about what else did I want to do in my life, okay? And there are many things. When I sit down and I speak to people and I go to, you know, support corporate events, corporate wellness events, or I coach people in if they want to change their career or they want to be more successful in football, I try to get them to think about what is this really that they want? What does success look like for them? Okay, and I try to understand what kind of events or tell them that events are going to happen in your life that you have to learn from. But we're, we're, we're living our lives at 100 miles an hour. And we're not learning from the events that happen. So, for example, with my dad, I know my dad loved me. It took me a long time to realize that. But when the time came for the end and my father was dying and he was in hospital and the doctor came and told him, this is it, Mr. Kennedy, time's up, there's nothing we can do for you. The person who actually was sitting beside him when they, when they were telling him that was me. Of all the people, of the way he had treated me over the years, it was me. It, you know, it's just the way fate happens. And when that doctor left, my dad turned to me and he said to me, you know, son, he said, if I had my time over again, the things I would do differently. And you sit there and you wonder and you think, there's a pretty serious thing to happen to listen, to learn in your life. What did you learn from that, Brian? The truth was I didn't learn anything because my life was going at 100 mile an hour and I just wanted to try to build a career for myself, okay? And my best friend died the following year, 46, left three kids behind. Did I learn anything from that? Not really, because I had just started a job in RBS. And again, I was working the long hours that I needed to work. Okay, so that all led up to 84 hours a week, suffering mental exhaustion. And then just look, stop. You're not bulletproof as much as you think you are. You need to kind of take stock and you need to look around you. So um, it's interesting. It's interesting you should say that, yeah. and and the reason because when we look at the, the the people that we are today, and we look in the mirror and we see ourselves, the imposter syndrome that a lot of people will suffer from is related to what happened to them, or someone, a parent, a partner, or not a parent, a teacher, a sibling might have said to them when they were young, which affects them in adult life. Yeah. So all those people that are out there that suffer from, you know, the the imposter syndrome, it goes back to something that happened when you were a child. And and like with yourself is with your father is you got very competitive and that triggered something in you. You know, we could you know, we could look at the psychological aspects of it. Is that triggered something in you to say in the back of your mind, you know, F you, I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's the, that can be the driving force for it as well. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if that was really, you know, even now, 10 years after, or genuinely 10 years after I changed my life. And I don't know if that's what 
drove me on. I'm sure it was a little bit of it, but I, I decided I would run marathons, okay, in 2010, and I would raise money for the hospice or for kids with congenital heart defects, okay? And I've done every single Dublin marathon since 2010, and I've done a couple of ultra marathons as well, and numerous half marathons to raise money for kids, okay? But I, I, I've done that for me, if you know what I mean, and to give something back, because I believe that if you want to change your life, even setting up a direct debit for 10 quid a month for some charity will help you mentally to understand that you're not a taker and that you have started to turn your life around by helping others and then you will be able to understand what you should be grateful for, what you have around you. So I can look and I can see my wife and I can see my two kids and I can see, God rest her, my mother. And I knew exactly they were the important things in my life. Not my career, not the house, the nice house that I have. Yeah. Those those were the things, okay? So, so being, be, recognising that I was blessed with a loving family, recognising that, you know, I have always spoken to my, my twin sister. I've got four sisters, but I've got a twin sister who died when I was only three months old, okay? And I think that had a, a, a big effect on my parents, and I think it had a bigger effect on my dad. But I have always felt that there's been somebody with me throughout my life, and that's my twin sister, yeah. okay? But I guess you have to have the courage to step outside your comfort zone is what I tell people when they want to change their life. But, but that's it. It, it. It's things only grow when you step outside your comfort zone because your mind will keep you in that comfort zone where it thinks it's keeping you in it and that may be holding you back. And yeah. when you step outside the comfort zone, that's where it all grows. And But, but you know, I was just sorry for cutting across you. My wife has been one of my great advocates for my running and supporting me in my running and my ultramarathon in training. And, you know, being out five hours on a Saturday running and six hours on a Sunday running 30 miles or something like that, right? And she's holding the fork down. And I do my fair bit at home, but she'd hold the fork down while I'm, she, while I'm doing that kind of training for those type of from runs. But in 2010, when I turned around and told Martina I was going to start running marathon, at 50, the first thing she said to me, are you crazy? Are you cra- What the heck is this counsellor that you're going to telling you right you're going to have a heart attack and and this is the problem that we have that when you decide to step outside your comfort zone and when you decide to go after your dream okay the people who we love and respect are sometimes the people we go to first but their first reaction might be one that's a little negative that could turn you off and stop you from doing what you want to do and what you have to do is say i'm not going to let that affect me and you've probably heard well you have heard me when i'm talking and one of the first things I say when I'm doing my talk is, my name is Brian Kennedy and I'm very good at what I do for a living. And I leave that hanging out there and I watch the people look at me and smile because I know they're judging me. What an arrogant thing to say, okay? But you have to have that belief in yourself that whatever your dream is, whatever the goal is that you want to actually go for, okay, you believe it inside you're the person that's going to make it happen. It doesn't matter just what other people are going to tell you. I would agree with you, but what stops people is the fear of what their peers will say. I have a saying that, you know, 25% of people out there get you. You know, 25% of the people out there will sit in the fence, not sure, and 50% of people out there will not like one thing that you say and wish wouldn't be bothered if you got run over tomorrow. Would probably wish if you got run over tomorrow. You're not chasing them. You're, you're working on the 25% that get you and the ones that are sitting on the fence. Stop being fearful. 
You know, and, and you talk about gratitude there as well, Brian. Yeah. One of the things that what's come up for me at this moment in time, more so than ever before, you know, you, you know that, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious, you know, I've, I've, you know I've, I've a spiritual background that I, you know, I, I believe that there's a greater power out there. I believe in unconscious love. I believe in joy, happiness. And I live my life in that on a day to day basis. And I bring that into business as well. Yeah. But what's brought up with me now is there's four elements at the moment because of where we are is reflection. So reflection, then what is coming up with me is compassion, then gratitude, and the last one is community. And they're the four elements that I'm feeling myself. And I'm going through processes each week of good, doubt, good, but it's getting stronger and stronger as in I get more positive about why, why I see and how I see my life evolving. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think spiritually, and the thing is, you, you know, when I, when I do my talks and when I talk to people, I don't force my, my spiritual, my religious beliefs on anybody. But I can tell you that I always had a good faith. My mother gave me a good faith. I would have gone away from the church for a while. I would have found myself at times with my career being in a church, you know, praying for, you know, give me strength to get through whatever it is that I'm trying to get through. And then you forget, you know, and it's only when you look back that you realize you're not doing this journey alone. There's somebody carrying you through this journey or somebody with you through this journey. So when I decided that I wanted to do motivational speaking and talk to people and I and I sat there and I wondered, how am I going to make this happen? I got a call from a church down in Mount Argus to ask me would I like to read the Word of God on the Sunday, out of the blue, because they heard me do two or three eulogies for different funerals down there, and they thought I would be a good speaker, you know, for the Word of God. That brought me back to Jesus. It, okay. it's, it's interesting because I don't believe in dogma religions. I believe in spirituality, so I don't think the church will ever ask me to, yeah. to, to speak because... <laughs> Because I believe it, a lot of it is fear-based and, and driving the masses. But I do believe that there is, you said, Christ, and you believe that it, it's that unconditional love. And it took me a long time to actually say that. Like, yeah. it even took me till probably last year to mention the word, not even last year, a couple of months ago, the word God. Right. Because I couldn't deal with the word God. I believed in, you know, we'd call it source or whatever. And as that's evolving, I now just... I see more and more people now with, with what's going on in the world with COVID-19 and people locked down. There's more and more people are waking up and more and more people are questioning things and people are looking at, you know, again, they're, you know, they're questioning politics, they're questioning the economy, social, you know, the social aspects, they're, you know, the health organisations. All these things are making people kind of go, let me just have a look. And it was something yeah. you said in the beginning of this interview you were rushing. You know, yeah. people were getting up for breakfast and they were rushing to have their breakfast so they could jump in the car and they could rush to work in the car and get into work and then they'd rush to lunch and then they'd rush you know, to lunch and then they'd rush home and then they'd rush to go for a run and then they'd yeah. rush TV and then they'd rush to go to bed and it was all just rush, 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 rush. And we were letting everything go past us because we were stuck in our heads and not in our heart and the world was just disappearing. And now what's happened, people are slowing down. Yeah. They were being made slow down. And when you slow down, what you do? You start thinking and you can go either one way in fear or you can go the other way and go, 
what is the solution here? How can I improve myself? Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's improve yourself in many different ways. I mean, I've, listen, I baked a cake last weekend. I was just about to say that. I <laughs> I, I I looked at that picture and I went, my. God. God Almighty! Did it? It was huge as well. Like it was. It was like well, you, you were feeding a, a family, a family of twenty. I know. Yeah, <laughs> but that was that was one of them. I did two, and that was my mother's recipe. And I have never baked in my life. Okay, but when you say you try to kind of, how can you improve yourself? What can you try differently? Um, they were two things. One. I had a bet with my daughter that if I grew a beard, I'd still have a bit of ginger in my beard, given that my, you know, I'm I'm 60 in September and my hair is grey, right? I'm a ginger as well, in, so there I you still go. in my head thought I'd have some ginger in my beard, okay? <laughs> Sad person that I am. Anyway, turns out, a couple of weeks growing the beard, not a chance was there going to be any ginger in it. And they were starting to call me Uncle Albert from Fools <laughs> and Horses. So anyway, I decided I lost the bet and then I baked the cake, which was actually quite nice and and then I shaved the beard off but there's two things there's two little two little things in this in this lockdown bit of crack with the kids and the wife with the beard and myself being able to prove to myself or to see how enjoyable baking a cake can be two very simple little things but you know what I wouldn't have baked a cake in a fit um, only for I decided during this lockdown I had a bit of time I'm still working but I had a bit of time so I'm going to try something different so um, I, I had a, a one. I had someone on the radio a while back, and they were saying that they went out with their family and they took pictures of flowers. Not in a million years, they said, would they have taken pictures of flowers if this didn't happen? Yeah. I'll give you a funny story. My mom used to make a wonderful spaghetti bolognese, and you know, coming from a family of seven, um, I remember living abroad, and I says, "Mom, can I have the recipe for your bolognese?" So she told me what it was, and I bought all the ingredients, and I cut them up, and I made it. And it was a pot huge that could feed 10 people. I was living in an apartment on my own. (laughs) 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 Because she gave me the ingredients, you know, to cook for seven, eight people. So I had just this big pot of bolognese. And I just, you know, in your 20s, it's on there. It doesn't go in the fridge. I was eating from it every day. I think I was eating morning, noon and night from it. But I noticed as I left it longer, it got tastier. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So they say that's a shoe. Yeah, that's a shoe. That's what they say, all right. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. But, but it's. it's but I in- think. I, I think what I would say from all of that, right? From all of that, what the bit of crack that we've just had there, the 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 common denominator sentence that I would say on that is that the present moment is the only moment that's available to us now, and we've take gone out and taken photographs of flowers. The present moment, baking that cake putting all the stuff in, making sure I don't get it wrong. You're focusing on the moment, you know? And that's all I would say to people to try to do now. Try not to be always thinking about what you want to do in two years, three years, four years, okay? When I was doing the 84 hours a week, and, and like, I, I challenge anybody to sit down and figure out how you're working 84 hours a week. Because I can tell you, it's getting up at half five in the morning. It's going to the office. It's not having lunch. It's coming home at eight o'clock in, in the evening. It's getting your dinner put in front of you by your wife. It's going back to reading emails. It's falling into bed at half twelve, one o'clock in the morning and getting up at half five. 
and there's nowhere where you're talking to your wife or your children. Look, I, I, I worked, you know, when I had a business many years ago, I worked seven days a week. And the only time that we would take off was two weeks of Christmas. And I would go on a binge drinking for two weeks of Christmas. Yeah. And then when that was finished, it was back then to seven days a week then after that. Yeah. So I, I understand what it, what it is. But to, to just as well that if living in the moment, it's important. And especially if there's someone out there who are small children, say, you're trying to work from home and your child is coming in, your forward child, and they're asking you something, you can get frustrated. And I realized myself that I was getting frustrated with my own small children when I was on a text or a social media or I was trying to answer a response to someone and they would come in and I was getting frustrated. And it hit me. Do you know what? These are more important. Kids are great for letting you live in the moment. And yeah. I put it the the platform down and I focused on them and from that I realised that all the stuff that's making us frustrated is the stuff that we think we need to do answer that response to that message answer that email that's important I'm trying to get this conversation with someone put it aside because the moment that you have which this is especially for people with small children work on them chat to them and then go back don't make your email or your text more important than your kids yeah yeah and that's and that's what i said to you earlier in this was and I, since two, you know since 2010 i've had a lot more time for my children and my wife okay and i've got to know them an awful lot better but i'm just saying that even in the last six weeks going for walks in the evening with the guys i've i've learned even more about them okay and it's been absolutely fantastic and they know me. They, you know, I mean, they know me. But you know, they they probably know me even better now, and the crap jokes that I tell. You know, <laughs> so it's it's it, it's been fantastic in in one way in the last six weeks for that. Um, the amount of dopamine and serotonin I've got over the last few weeks with the walks I've been on them has yeah, been absolutely fantastic. I, you know I, what I mean? It's I think great. it's I I feel what's happened is especially with nature you can hear the birds out there you can i think you know there's a lot of people out there who like i was down getting bread this morning and the people in in the queue they were everyone is just done with this they're done you know yeah. there's there's people that are saying to me you know i just want to get out i'm stuck in these apartments with no balcony i need to get out they said you know i think some people are saying i'd rather get COVID 19 than live like this you know, there's there's yeah, there's bad, there's, yeah. there's, yeah. there's there's this this torn, and maybe you know will here's here it is. What I'm trying to get at is, will life change? How do you see the future for the short term? Now we're living in the moment, and I mean short term, the next six yeah. months a year. I think I think what we're doing now with social distancing, no shaking hands. I think that's here till the end of the year until there's a vaccine. I think as soon as somebody comes up with a vaccine, people will be back hugging each other and doing whatever it is that they need to do. But I'm with you in that. I think we have to find a slightly different way to help the more the more elderly people to be able to get out, to get exercise, feel more valued. It's sad that there was a report uh, the other day where older people in the country felt that they were that they were a drain on society, that people didn't care about them and the way in which people were 
referring to them as whatever the terminology that they might use, that they found that a bit derogatory, you know? And and I think that's sad. But I look, we just need to look after the elderly in the community. And I think most places have been doing that quite well. And we wisdom. have to mind our kids, our younger kids, so that, you know, they they understand what they need to do so they don't put their granny and their granddad and whatever it might be in harm's way and do the best we can. But I don't think life is going to be... I don't think it's going to be normal for another 12 months. I don't think there'll be people going too far on holidays. Um, or, you know, and and that's that's easy for me to say as somebody that's still getting paid through this pandemic. You know, there are a lot of people out there that are struggling that mightn't have a job, whose employers don't treat them very well. You know, and we have to just all pull together and continue to try to support those people in the future. The question on, on you mentioned there, a vaccine in six months down the road, you know, a normal vaccine could take 18 months. Yeah. And and my I believe in vaccines, but I, I if someone came up with one six months down the road, I wouldn't be, my personal self, I wouldn't be running to get a jab in my arm. Um, because what are the complications from it? You know, I think I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you on that. All right. Yeah. You know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. it's you know yeah. we talk about age and orange. It, yeah. it, you know, it was to dampen the the the, the growth of in the in the bush in Vietnam, and look what it did. That's that's just one. I know that's a big extreme, but yeah. I'm on a case on, on a case of okay, great if you have it, but you're not sticking that in my arm or my children's arm. Till yeah. it's eighteen months, a year down the road, two years down the road, till it's tested. Because who knows? That's yeah. that's where I'm. I'm with, with I, I with think it. most. I think most people would agree with you, Joe. To be honest with you, I think most people would agree. And I think, look, if 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 whatever the government is, if they're trying to be supportive or they're seen to be supportive, and um, people don't just play politics with this, and they look after the older people in our in our um, community and in the you know, whatever home or hospital setting that they're in, I think that's all people people want to do. I, I think they want they don't want the worry. I don't. I'm lucky. I don't have to worry. Both my parents have passed away. Yes, yeah, I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to worry about them. But my mum was my mum was two years dead. She was ninety when she died. I mean, I can only imagine what it would be like. You know, first of all, she'd be with one of us. She wouldn't be sitting in our house on her own. She'd be with one of us. Um, <coughs> Well, okay, I'm going got, got to ask you a question here because of, you know, you've been, guns have been pulled on you and, you know, the way your life is. Do you fear death? Do I fear death? You know, it's funny, sometimes you might think about stuff like that. And you're out, when you're out running, it, sometimes stuff, you know, you hear about people that drop dead from sudden whatever, um, running and all that kind of stuff. I... I don't fear death, and I can tell you that when you've had a gun to your head in an in, a, in an armed robbery in a bank, and you've come out of that, it's a it's a bigger experience than what some people had, and I've had that on several occasions. Okay, I don't fear it. It's going to come. I accept that it's going to come. If it comes, I hope I don't have any pain. If you were asking me, would I like to be in a situation where I would be lingering if I was dying? The answer to that would be no. Would I put somebody in a situation where I'd say, could you give me an injection and send me on my way? I don't think I'd want to put somebody in that situation. But I don't fear it. 
uh, I, I have a you know we talked about faith earlier on. I believe what I believe. No, it doesn't. It doesn't hold any fear whatsoever to me. It's just the way it might come about. Is sometimes. Yeah, for me, I've no fear of death. I I I kind of joke with friends that on my deathbed, if I'm there, I'll be rubbing my hands, going, "Right, lads, see you later." I'm I'm out of here. I'm gonna find out if there is something there, or if yeah. there is nothing. If the lights go off, they go off. But if it if there is, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it, and that's how I how I I feel about it. So I've no I've no fear of that. And I think, I think if you if you, do you know I I realize that there's people out there that it's a big concern, and it was for me many many years ago. But when you get beyond that life is good and live the moment and love the life and as you said you know do what you can do and i think that's that's really important really yeah. important and, and can i ask you then when your parents passed away were you were you with them when they passed away i with my father he died and i was parking in vincent's hospital um and i went in and he passed away I, I was two days beforehand. I had to go to England for a meeting and he was in bed. He'd problem with his lungs. He was, you know, eight, in his early 80s. And yeah. I remember putting him his hand on the shoulder. Are you OK? He goes, yeah, and grand and grand. Um, got a feeling that he wasn't he wasn't well, but thought he would get through it, hoping he could get through it. So yeah. I always remember when I remember my dad, as I do now, talking about him, I can feel his hand on my shoulder and I'm patting him. My mother, she she had dementia for many, many years and was in a nursing home. So it was a blessing for her to go. You yeah. know, she yeah. was she ha I had mourned her years before, before she had passed. So it was yeah. it was it was a lot easier. And then I had a brother who passed away, a cancer and a oh. sister as well. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I've got I, you grieve for the loss of them. But I believe they're with me now. Well, that's you see that I'm exactly in the same space as you. We have our own different spirituality and and beliefs and whatever in a different way, but we're we're very similar in what we believe. And I was very very lucky to be with my dad with with our family when he passed away, and to be with my mum in the hospice when she passed away. And I can tell you that I've never seen a I've never seen somebody die so happy as my mother did, and and I and I'm very grateful for that because. When you sometimes when you say does somebody fear death? If you live a good life, if you've been a good person, okay. If you take some time out to live in the moment and to, you know, make peace with people who you might have had an argue, a stupid argument with. You know, you know, look, you know yourself. In all families, they have they have issues and people don't talk to each other for 30 years and if you and if you ask why is Auntie Johnny not talking to whoever nobody can remember why they really stopped talking to each other you know but I think if you if you live your life in the moment and you're living your life in a in a proper way and you're doing your best for your fellow human and if you can help somebody out by bringing them up in their career, if that's the case, if you get if you get promoted, try and bring somebody with you. Try and mentor people. Try and give something back. Yeah. Why would you be? Why would you be afraid? Yeah. Whether you believe in God or whether you don't believe in God, whether you believe in something, whether you're going to a light or into darkness, you don't have anything to be afraid of because you can be honest in yourself and say, 
you know, I've done the best I can and I've tried and I do I do try and get people to kind of say, if you die tomorrow, have you left a mark on this life that somebody will recognise what you've done? Look, it's it's probably one of the reasons why I created the Change Your Mind, Change Your Life events was, you know, there were events that we didn't make anything on, but there were events just to get people into a room and get people to... You know, you know how crazy they are, you know, yeah. the, the, the the parties that we have in the morning. And then as you and other yeah. people are speaking in the afternoon, I know it's different. And, and hey, listen, I'll cut across you for a second and I'll say, as people are listening to this across the globe or whatever, OK, they should go to one of your sessions because they are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. They, they are, and we're we're bringing them into businesses when, like people are saying, are we going to change it? Look, when COVID and all goes, we're working on altering them to help businesses. And you're right, they are the most wackiest. You know, having people breaking their hearts, so breaking their hearts, laughing at eleven o'clock in the morning on a yeah. Saturday in their forties, doing the hokey cokey. <laughs> you, you know, and I could see the expression on your face, and it was beautiful. It was, and I it see was. It. I have to say, that was just, it was just a fantastic day. That was just a fantastic day. So, yeah, you, yeah. You just, need to, you just need to tell me when you're doing when you're doing the next one. This is all over because uh, October no, we're doing one now. We're doing, brilliant. yeah. But brilliant. but it it's what it is is we do them just to get people to realise you know childlike, have fun. You know, in, live your moment in life, and it's. I'm laughing because we did these last year, and how appropriate they were to prepare people for what's going on. I did the TED talk, TEDx mm. talk, which was about becoming consciously aware. All yeah. these synchronicities that had came up for now, and you know, I created a Conscious Business Academy as well, and it's all just sinking in nicely. That look, surrender and see what happens. Surrender That's and see it. what happens. That's on it. it. That's it. That's it. Brian, where can people, if they want to reach out to you, you know, connect with you on LinkedIn or whatever it may be, yeah, where can they, they get you? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn under Brian Kennedy, motivational speaker and wellness person. Um, they can find me on Twitter at BJ Kenno because I'm always putting up my, my runs and the runs that I do there. Um, and they can go into my, um, my mindfulness website, which is called BJKennoMotivation.com. Um, and if they want to ask me to come and talk at one of their wellness events, I'm, I'm very happy to do that. Or if somebody is looking for um, one-to-one coaching or whatever, or they're wondering about what they're going to do in their future career, happy to happy for them to reach out to me and, and see how, how can I assist them. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. Look, all, all I would say to people is ask yourself a couple of questions. You're chasing something. It's a dream. Uh, you know, you've you got to go for your dream. But you got to write it down and you got to have a plan and you got to set out some steps and then I can guarantee it will happen. Find something to be grateful for in your life and try and try and write down what's your life purpose. What gets you up in the morning? Okay, so I would just tell you that my life purpose and why I get up in the morning is to be the best dad I can be to my two kids, Simon and Suzanne, and to be the best husband I can be to Martina. That's all it's about. It is. And how I can make them happy because in life, it's how happy you are is what success is all about. It's not the big car. It's not the big house. No, it's not the big career. It's how happy you are. 
it and, is. And, and work from the, work from there. For me, it's gratitude is so powerful. And for me, it's from my beautiful wife, Lynn. You know, and I, I, I say to people, the best day of my life was my wedding day. You know, the happiest day of my yeah. life, and my beautiful kids. Um, yeah, no, it's it's for me. It's it's the fa- my family. It is my my and everything else then that happens is is a bonus is a bonus on a day it just takes us ages to realize that joe yeah, and yeah. unfortunately for me uh, fortunately or unfortunately whichever way you want to look at it it was a realization for me when i was 50 and i suffered that mental exhaustion you know and the last 10 years for me you know have been fantastic I, I just can't. Um, I can't look back. I just. No, I just. And, look, and, I just look and, forward and, now and and try and help as many people as I can. And you know, in in September this year, I will I will leave uh, the financial institution that I work for and I start into a new chapter in my career at sixty. Uh, hopefully, doing more of my motivational speaking, unless. Unless somebody else comes and headhunts me, headhunts me back into banking, banking, but I'd have to think very twice on it. Brian, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a million, Joe. Appreciate it. That's okay. uh, And uh, you have a super one. You too. And like always, I enjoyed that interview with Brian. And yes, if you want to develop your business, I want to understand how you can grow and get all your team to grow. Check out the Conscious Business Academy, where we're looking at soulful selling mindful marketing, collective culture, and conscious leadership. If you want to reach out to us, you can connect to me at joedalton.ie. Until next week, here at the Conscious Business Show on Dublin South FM, have a super day and we'll catch you again. Take care. And remember, here at Dublin South FM, we're interviewing plenty of people around the world, conscious leaders, and that's why we have the Conscious Business Podcast, which is part of the Conscious Business Academy, offering purpose, profit and prosperity in your life through soulful selling, mindful marketing, conscious leadership and creative culture. If you want to reach out to me, it's joedalton.ie. You have an awesome week and take care and look after yourself.